Sisu Clinic is an innovative, doctor-led aesthetic destination where beauty meets medicine. As one of Ireland's leading aesthetic clinics, we offer the most advanced beauty treatments in the world. Our doctors will partner with you to enhance your natural beauty, so you radiate inside and out. And with 14 clinics across Ireland, there's a Sisu Clinic nearby. Your evolved beauty journey starts here. Visit sisuclinic.com to book your free consultation. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. We love movies with Gordon Hayden. This film blew me away. So that's against the rules and you can't sit with us. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Hasta la vista, baby. And the winner is... We Love Movies with Gordon Hayden. Spin. Hello and you're very welcome along to We Love Movies on this Maybank holiday weekend. Hope you're keeping well. Coming up this week, we are really going to delve into CinemaCon, which is happening in Las Vegas. And for those that don't know, this is a big exhibition which happens each and every year where all the big studios, they arrive at Vegas and they showcase their wares to an awful lot of the exhibitors. And the exhibitors in question being uh, the cinema chains from around the world, letting them know these are the movies of note that we have coming out and you'll definitely want to have them in your cinemas. So we'll be talking about some of the films that were showcased, the likes of Avatar 2. We got a title for that. Some footage was shown and a lot of the big superhero movies as well. They were all put front and centre too. So we'll be going into all of that and some of the other films that might seem a little bit under the radar that you'll definitely want to keep an eye out for as well. So lots to come on this week's We Love Movies. We Love Movies with Gordon Hayden on Spin. You are listening to We Love Movies on this bank holiday weekend. Hope you're keeping well. Joining me is Andy McCarroll and Chris Wasser. And we're going to kick off this half of the show. We're really going to delve into CinemaCon, which is currently happening in Las Vegas. Chris, if I start with yourself, for those that don't know anything about CinemaCon, like what is it and why is it important for an awful lot of the cinemas around the world? It is essentially, Gordon, a convention where filmmakers, uh, producers, the producers kind of take a, a, a lot of the spotlight at this thing, as you would have seen from, from, from the Avatar presentation when you had John Lando instead of instead of Jim Cameron in the room. But they come out and they say here, you know, every every studio has, has a representative there and they say, here is what we're cooking up. Here is what you can expect from us in the next 12 months. And that's essentially it. You have distributors and an exhibition, uh, uh, you know, like cinemas all around the, all around the world attend this. Uh, uh, convention and they kind of you know they're just there scratching their chins and nodding their heads and seeing what they're going to be showing in in, in their theaters over the next year or two and it's just a chance the same as comic-con the same as you know the uh, the big sony exhibition the same you know dc have one marvel have one it's just a chance to kind of get excited about films that you potentially didn't even know you know existed yet i mean for for me i I'm, I'm i'm a big fan of james gray who gave us ad astra who gave us the lost city of zed uh had a, has uh, uh worked on on some on some great films at Joaquin phoenix over the years i didn't know that he was making a new film until you know there was all of a sudden this discussion and james gray appeared at CinemaCon to talk about armageddon time which is a, a coming of age drama set in queens uh which is going to be out at christmas time it's got uh robert de niro and anthony hopkins and that was a big surprise for me. And that's now something that I'm looking forward to. So it does serve a purpose, you know, it gets you to, uh, thinking and talking about films that, you know, you might not have known were, were on the way. And also it kind of kickstarts an awful lot of campaigns for, for the likes of a new Avatar film like this right now. We have a, a trailer, we have, you know, a title, we've got some story details, you know, thus begins the six month process, or, you know, the six month lead into that film coming out. So it's basically just another convention to get us talking about movies. Just on Avatar, and if I bring you in here, um, Avatar, The Way of the Water is the title. And 
And the little thing that you're concerned about is that they handed out glasses. The old 3D glasses were handed out. Oh, Andy, don't tell me we're going back to all this again. Yeah, I had a complete panic attack when I saw that people were posting saying they'd just been handed 3D glasses. I thought that fad was over. I hated it at the time. There was no, no film, I could say, was in any way enhanced by the experience, with the exception of maybe the first 20 minutes of gravity. Everything else, this was just a hassle or people were retrofitting them. And it just looked, you know, the depth perception was terrible. Films ended up looking absolutely awful. I can see the appeal for cinemas because it means they can charge an extra three, four quid on top of your ticket price. But I, I definitely don't want to see that retort and kind of, this is just another thing coming out of Avatar where I'm like, please, no. If you were to pick a James Cameron film to make a sequel of, Avatar would be bottom of my list of that. You have Sam Worthington in the lead, who has been making straight to video films for the last 10 years. Vin Diesel has joined the cast as well. It's just everything coming out of this is for me, it seems like a negative. But, you know, we were talking about it the other week about Titanic. Everything coming out of that was apparently this is going to be the biggest disaster of all time. And, you know, Avatar and Titanic are one and two or sorry, one and three of the, the top grossing films of all time. So I think I learned my lesson not to back against James Cameron long ago. Yeah, he is that type, though, just when you think he's down and out. And it's been, what, like 13 years or something like that since the, the first Avatar movie? What's interesting, though, Chris, about what they're doing with this Avatar series is because at the moment he has a team of writers in New Zealand and they have essentially fleshed out four stories. I Obviously, we know number two, uh, number two is coming in December and number three, there's still a bit of work to do on that. And then we'll and they'll kind of see how everything goes and if we'll get the other two films. But when it comes to the sequels in question, though, they're not doing what they did with the, like, say, uh, Pirates 2 and 3 and even the Matrix 2 and 3 in that they were almost like shot back to back, back and then split in the, in the middle, as it were, to, to separate two separate films. Whereas these new movies, right, Chris, am I right in saying like they're going to be like standalone films? They are going to be like standalone films. But uh, another strange thing that I don't think any other filmmaker or studio has done before is to start shooting, you know, a third sequel when we haven't even seen the second or first one yet. I mean, there are stories that, you know, from Sam Worthington and from, you know, various cast members that there are sections of Avatar, Avatar 4 that have been filmed, which oh is just God. crazy. Um, and there are release dates penciled in here. I mean, so we're getting the first Avatar sequel the end of this year. Then two years after that, three, two years after that, we're, we're all the way up to 2028. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few delays. Look, I'd say we'll be, we'll be into the 2030s at this stage um, by the time that the, the series finishes. But it is quite bizarre that there's so much writing on this, you know, not just like there's so much money invested in this. Mm. And, and that is just insane when you consider that this is a sequel to a film that, yes, is the, mo- is the highest grossing film of all time, you know, because it did have that. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it had uh, another re-release at some stage last year. And it's getting before. another one, Chris. Yeah. Sorry to cut across. I think it's getting re-released in September just probably to build the momentum for the second one. Which pushed it, I think it pushed um, the box office numbers up maybe another like two and a half million or something. And that meant that it, that, that, you know, it replaced Avengers Endgame, which Avengers mm. Endgame had actually topped it when that was out as the highest grossing film ever. If you have the highest grossing movie in your, you know, on your CV, it's so strange that it, has, it, it bears no cultural imprint whatsoever. Like it's, 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 there's not there's not an awful lot I could tell you about that film. I don't I couldn't even tell you why it became the highest grossing film of all time. Maybe it's just something to do with James Cameron. Now, Andy touched on something important there, which is that we probably shouldn't bet against Cameron because, you know, while he was making Titanic, he spent, you know, 
way more money than, than he should have. And it looked as though his career was going to be over. You know, everyone was saying this is going to be a complete disaster. And look at what happened there. I mean, even when he was making the Terminator films, you know, people were saying to him, you know, this 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 is just rubbish. This just doesn't make any sense. Um, there's no place for this sci-fi film. It, you know, And look what happened there. He kickstarted his own franchise. So I don't know. I, I honestly couldn't tell you which way this is going to go. One thing that might get in its way is a packed December schedule. And also, the last time we had an Avatar film, superhero films weren't, you know, uh, the, the, you know we didn't have the, the, the huge superhero Marvel DC presence at the box office. Within two weeks, or maybe within a week of this Avatar film opening, we're going to have an Aquaman sequel. And mm. I don't know about anyone else, like, I didn't even like the first Aquaman film, but I'd sooner watch an, an, another one of those. I'd sooner watch a Jason Momoa film than watch something called The Way of Water. <laughs> and especially if it involves 3D glasses. So I think you I touched really... on something there as well, that who is this for? Because like you said, yeah. most of the people you're out to, like most of the, the ones that are packing out cinemas are the superhero films. But there's, it's kind of people our age, like the first film, the first sequel to this was supposed to come out, I think it was 2012, which is what, 10 years ago now at this point. And and people kind of of our age are like, oh yeah, no, Avatar, fair enough. I might go and see it. And I think the reason it done so well was obviously the, the price hike in the 3D and it was this new technology. If he's bringing back something that you know died a death the first time around, unless it's something absolutely immersive and spectacular, I, I don't think you're going to draw those kind of numbers. And if you're shooting things like Avatar 4, this could be a, a huge mistake. But like you said, pretty much every film in James Cameron's CV has looked like a huge mistake on paper, and somehow he's managed to, to pull it out of the bag. And yeah, just to- I mean, I'm, I'm also sorry to cut I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't want Kate Winslet, Sigourney Weaver, you know, Michelle Yao, Edie Falco, Giovanna Ribisi. I don't want all of these amazing people to be involved in something that completely sucks. So I am going to trust that there might be something there that made other than, you know, uh, other than, you know, a, a handsome paycheck that made all of these talented people want to get involved in such an elaborately staged and just ridiculously bombastic franchise. Hopefully there is something there, but mm. I'm just worried about it. See, Cameron's always had a fascination with water, Titanic, the abyss, and now he's doing it with the Avatar too. So, and I think to go back to a point you made earlier on, Chris, about like, why was essentially that first Avatar film uh, as successful as it was and I think it is really it, it's it's down to that the spectacle seeing something that you've never uh, been immersed in before in the likes of cinema so the, the fact he's going to try something very digitally minded with the likes of Avatar 2 concerning water I think it will be quite intriguing how he's going to pull all of that off but yeah it'll be it'll be intriguing to see if there is an appetite for the when they re-release Avatar and how that will play into Avatar 2 but anyway all will be, uh, will be, we will find out come December, but still lots more to discuss in regard to CinemaCon, uh, which has been taking place in Las Vegas. Let's move on to Warner Brothers, and they've got their hands full. Aquaman 2, as you mentioned there, uh, Chris, that's coming out. Amber Heard, what to do with Amber Heard, what to do with Ezra Miller, The Flash. Uh, footage of, was shown from The Flash, Andy, and I'm sure they're trying to, temper everything around Ezra Miller because he's in an awful lot of hot water in Hawaii as it is. So, um, but what, what do we know of the footage that was showcased at CinemaCon? Yeah, there seems to be a huge pivot towards Michael Keaton's Batman. That trailer was supposedly very Batman heavy and ends with that, you know, the infamous, if you want to call it, line where you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. And I think pivoting to someone who's a lot more kind of PR savvy, Michael Keaton is a good thing. But you can kind of see where Warner Brothers, they can't, cut Ezra Miller who's playing The Flash out of a film called The Flash so when asked about it they pretty much went well the film's not out for another year which was their way of saying hopefully he 
shuts his mouth for the next you know 365 days and we get this film out in spite of him not because of him but I think we could see something spinning off with the Michael Keaton side of things or were you which is what the, the kind of DC power the, the Flashpoint comics do is recast them there's you know, maybe Adam Brody who was initially cast in the Flash movie years ago he could come in or you could get the guy from the TV show Grant Gustafson there's a million different ways. This is the one where they can hit reset on pretty much everything in the universe now. So if I was Ezra Middler, I'd be on my best behavior because this is their one opportunity they have to get rid of them. And you saw with Fantastic Beasts, you know, they're not against, you know, kicking them out of a large franchise. Yeah, I think that unfortunately the horse is bolted here. So they're probably stuck with him and probably hopefully keep him away from as much press as possible. Because I saw firsthand at the second Fantastic Beast where he caused an awful lot of frustration with some of the Warner execs, just the way he was carrying on during some of the junket interviews. So I'm sure they probably want to keep him as muted as possible and just let the the, the flash, the the the, the whole um, the product itself sell. And as you say, put Michael Keaton for the center is the is the way to do it. Also, Chris, we're going to get a sequel to the Batman. Matt Reeves is back. Yeah, that's no surprise. Um, and Robert Pattinson is going to be back. Uh, I don't know what way they're going to go with it. I mean, given the fact that we had that, you know, uh, tease, I think we can talk about it at this stage because the deleted scene has, 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 has come out since Matt Reeves put it online. Uh, Barry Kogan played the Joker. He was in the, you know, the finished film, the one that we saw in cinemas for less than two minutes. And then this five minute deleted scene was released. But I don't think Matt Reeves was putting that out to say, look at the world I'm creating for the next film. I think it's just maybe confirming that, yes, all of your favorite Batman, you know, villains do exist in this universe and we might get to them at some stage. So I'm not really sure where Matt Reeves might go for the next film. I saw some stuff online during the week about how, you know, it wouldn't it be great if he went down and followed the Hush storyline from the comics. I actually think, you know, with Paul Dano's Riddler, they were sort of following the Hush uh, uh, storyline there. So I think that might be a bit too similar. Um, there are other people who are like, you know, wondering now uh, uh, if Robin might enter the fold. I really hope he doesn't. I'm not sure where he's going to go with it, but it'll be interesting. What I, th- I think we'll have some clues about where the, the next film will take us from the Colin Farrell uh, uh, Penguin series. Uh, the co- uh, Is it going to be called Penguin or is it going to be called Oswald? Was there a title confirmed there? Uh, I don't know. At one stage, I don't know if it was called. Was it Gotham or was that just made to be the other second spinoff? Yeah, there were the two police. spinoffs in the works and Matt Reeves has confirmed that the only one that has been given the green light is the Colin Farrell Penguin one. And I think the other one has just been shelved for the time being. I think they're so, kind of pivoting an Arkham Asylum when it was going to be kind of Gotham Central, but now it looks like they might be having like an Arkham Asylum, which is where Barty Cowan's Joker could show up. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they've done this, to be honest. So many behind the scenes talk of you know Robert Pattinson not being happy, but I don't think I'd be locked into a contract with this. He's not going anywhere. But I would be shocked if this hits the date that it's been given out. And I would be shocked if it's just, you know, focusing on Barry Cowan's Joker. Because that just so many moving parts in this. I wouldn't be surprised if they completely ripped up the script and this just, you know, Court of Elves or, or something like that. Because I think there's, there's a lot there that you can branch off. And I think he's got a lot of goodwill based on the first one to make it his own. Because as much as I liked it, I don't think I thought it was too similar to other films. And again, disagree with Chris, I'd love to see Robin in this universe because it's something that hasn't been done properly. And this is the time to stamp, you know, Matt Reeves to put it down and go, well, yeah, I done Robin, I done my version and here's it done well. Uh, and take I, the camp. Sorry, I, oh, oh yeah, and I, I fully agree with you, Andy, because isn't the follow-up to, um, oh, the, was it? The um, Long Halloween. The Long Halloween. That's where Robin gets introduced. And it, it felt like Matt Reeves was laying down a few breadcrumbs 
with uh, the possibility of a Robin with, okay, slight spoiler alert, because I know the Batman is currently available to um, to rent, but there is a young boy whose father is killed. I, I suppose I'm probably saying as non-spoilery as possible and uh, in the Batman. And you just, the way Bruce Wayne looks at him, it's almost like they've got this shared um, shared sadness. And I, I wonder, will that boy go on to become Robin? And oh, if God. so... If that, I really hope not. And if that's the case, I just thought you almost like Pattinson becoming the father that he wished he had in his life through becoming this guardian figure to Robin. If we were to try I, and bring, yeah. in, bring that aspect. I don't know, but I just saw that that young boy, I thought felt there was a there's something was being signposted there more so than just the fact that he lost his father. I think it was felt a bit, there was a bit more there. I could be wrong, but I don't know what you But I think thought. you could do it in kind of the way with the comics where Damien Wayne is, you know, his, his adopted son or his yeah. son in the comics where he is just a little psychopath. Whereas I think that would be a lot better where you have him a sort of, you know, unhinged hit girl from kick-ass sort of thing where he is the complete ops, where he wants to murder people, where he wants to go to the absolute extreme. And I think that could be a good way to do it. Because if you just do a straightforward, you know, 13-year-old kid under his way, it will look silly on film in a way that it doesn't in the comics. But I think if you add another element to it, I think that's how you could introduce them in an interesting and different way. I think part of the reason maybe I don't want a Robin other than the fact that it might look a bit ridiculous on screen and we've been scared by, you know, that character on screen uh, so many times is, is that, you know, the Bruce Wayne that Robert Pattinson's playing, he is, I think, I'm not sure what age he's supposed to be. Maybe it's late 20s. Maybe he's, he's, he's very early 30s. But he's kind of portrayed as, as, as a kid himself. And he still hasn't figured out who he is, what he's about. He hasn't really figured out how you be two different people, you know, that there is supposed to be a difference between Bruce Wayne and Batman. He can't be just gloomy all the time. He's supposed to put on this facade in his daily life. And also he's supposed to help people as Bruce Wayne, the same way he's trying to help people as Batman. So I think there's another film that you can make where he's, you know, uh, progressing more as, as, you know, as Kate Crusader, he's like growing up a little bit. And then for a third one, if you wanted, then you could do Robin. But I don't think I want to see two emo kids you know, in capes in the next Batman film. I think well, I that think that's how you can do it because if he isn't, you know, the established, you know, sensible somewhat Batman where you go, no, this is a mad idea to have a 12-year-old, he's still essentially kind of an idiot himself and thinks there's nothing wrong with it. And I think that'd be a good contrast with Alfred going, you should not be doing this. And you could have the, the conflict with them there. I'm just going to write the script for this myself now. Oh, <laughs> I just, I, don't, I think poor old Alfred wouldn't be able for two sulking teenagers in the back cave. <laughs> Um, I'm, I can't wait to see what they're going to do. I had a lot of time for the Batman. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a, it is flabby in places, but I think if they could trim it down, and, yeah. and also I just, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it before we move on to the next thing. I also thought, um, that with Barry Keoghan's uh, Joker, I thought they really did go all out to keep him in silhouette. And I don't know if we discussed this before. And um, was there an off? Was there a big reason why they decided to keep the character in silhouette in case? They thought, hmm, uh, one, we might go with a different actor for Joker if things don't, uh, if, if, there's, if there's a bit of a backlash to Barry. Or two, if the design of what we're thinking of going with this sort of Joker that looks like he's been mauled and like he's always oh, very heavily scarred. It's almost like he's got a proper um, sort of rubber mask on. If that doesn't play well with audiences, we might have to look at a whole change in terms of the look so i thought it was kind of interesting that they went with the silhouette i don't know what you guys think of just going back to barry as joe as the joker do you can you see him remaining in the character and could you possibly see them changing up the look chris i'll start with you on that 
Um, I think they might have to potentially. I mean, there's been even when when we um, even when we saw No Time to Die with Rami Malek, the conversation came up again of why are villains, you know, in 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 these in these you know big budget blockbusters, why do, do are the villains always you know uh, bearing these facial scars, and why is that like you know the defining feature of their villainy like why why and in 2022 do you have to have that and there might be a bit of a kickback against that if you present you know this joker villain as someone who's horribly disfigured and so that's maybe part of the reason as to why they're a villain that's it's that's i don't think that's a that's a tad too problematic now um so there might it might have been something about that it might just be something that you know when they looked back at the joker footage they realized we kind of maybe went a bit overboard here he looks a bit ridiculous and also there is something a little bit too comic booky. I know that's a bit ridiculous to say that about a comic book film, but there is something a little bit too comic booky about Barry Kogan's film that are about Barry Kogan's performance in those few minutes that doesn't fit with the rest of the film. So there could be any there could be any number of reasons as to why they decided to just like cut down and just leave that as a teaser at the end. But in terms of Barry Kogan playing him the next time around or whether or not they'll go down the same route, I just again I don't see them I think it would just be it would be too predictable, it'd be too expected. Here is another serious Batman trilogy where the second film is focused on the Joker. I don't see that happening. Mm. And I also don't see Barry Kogan maybe potentially staying in that role. He's just not that I think Barry Kogan is a wonderful talent and a great actor. If anything, when I first heard he was going to be involved in this film, we've spoken about it here before, I thought he was going to be a Robin type figure. That's where I thought yes. he was go- going for. Um, but I just don't see him. I don't think he has the 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 presence just to, to stand up against Pattinson's Batman, you know, to be mm. that kind of, you know, to be his equal in terms of, you know, the, 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 the arch nemesis. I don't, I don't see that there. No. I, and I love Barry. I really do. Yeah. And I just, yeah, as the Joker, it's a tough one. It's a, it's a tough call. I, I, again, I know a lot of people would have said that about Heath Ledger initially. Heath Ledger, the Joker, they mad. And then you see him and he's given a proper run at it. Um, and again, that that scene that got deleted, and I understood why Matt Reeves decided to take out the scene of Barry as the Joker from the Batman. It just would have given too much away and taken from the plot of the Riddler. So that made sense. But again, I felt I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't really drawn in even with that scene. But Andy, I just I want to bring you in here, Joker and the Batman too. Do you think it'll work? I think it will, and I think. It- Barry Keown is exactly what you need. I'll disagree with both of you on that because I don't think he has that, you know, luster and charisma that Heat Ledger or even Joaquin Phoenix had or wish for quietly Jared Leto. But he has that feral kind of nasty look to him. Like, I think he can have a really different take in the Joker where it's someone who you would like, I cannot relax for two seconds around this guy because he might bite my face. He might do anything. Whereas the other two were kind of, you know, suave and charismatic Jokers. I think you could just have a nasty little git of a Joker here. And I think that would suit that world as well. That like permanently reigning, miserable Gotham City that Matt Reeves created for this film. I'd love to see him do well. It's a huge ask because pretty much every actor who's played has either won an Oscar for playing the Joker or has already won an Oscar. So it's a huge weight. And I think if this doesn't go well, you've seen kind of the few behind the scenes stories that have come, come out recently about Barry. It, that the, the weight of this could crush him or it could send him into the stratosphere and he could be the biggest star on the planet this time, two years. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, listen, he's a superb actor. Gents, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and then we're going to chat more about uh, CinemaCon and some of the other big movies that got announced. There's a Barbie movie on the way, but not as you know it. 
We Love Movies with Gordon Hayden on Spin. Welcome back to We Love Movies with me, Gordon Hayden. Andy McCarroll, Chris Wasser are still here. We're chatting all things CinemaCon. Um, for those that don't know, CinemaCon, it's uh, taking place in Vegas and it's where all the big film studios showcase what big films are coming down the tracks this year and next year. So much to get through. Can I just pick out some of the films that... Uh, they wouldn't be in the blockbuster type territory, but I just really wouldn't mind people knowing about. We were just chatting about this during the break, and this is a horror film which I cannot wait to see. I just love the setup for it. Um, um, Eric Davies, he's Eric Davis, I should say. Um, he's um, he's with Rotten Tomatoes and Fandango, and he says about uh, Violet Night, it's like Die Hard, but the hero is Santa. A family is taken hostage and David Harbour as Santa comes to save the day. It's from the folks behind John Wick and Nobody. Super violent. Another wild one for the midnight crowd. Take my money. That (laughs) sounds fantastic. Santa like John McClane using an axe. To, it sounds uh, like the thing from Scrooge. Remember the night the reindeer died? The <laughs> majors played it. That's what I was like. It was like group of Mercy's attack on Christmas. And Santa. I was like, wait, Santa must say? I was like, oh, yeah, a real life nightmare. <laughs> the night the reindeer died. Fantastic. I hope Lee Majors cameos at some point in this as well. That'd be amazing. And now and I also want to mention, um, sticking with a, a slightly horror-esque theme, uh, David Cronenberg, the, body, the, the, the master of body horror, well, his film, uh, Crimes of the Future, he originally made a student film called Crimes of the Future. It's about a 20, 30 minute film. It's up on YouTube and it's set like in a almost post-apocalyptic uh, future. And it's to do with, it kind of has a Cormac McCarthy type of scenario where you've got uh, an adult and he's trying to protect a child from the horrors of what has enveloped in the future. And uh, it's it, it gets into pretty nasty territory. Now, I think uh, Cronenberg has definitely made some changes to what his student film was in terms of the story, because I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but Viggo Mortensen, it's almost like there's a traveling sideshow carnival freak-esque sort of vibe going on here, which really amps up the body horror. The, the trailer was shown. Uh, Chris, have you heard much about Cronenberg's latest? Uh, not nothing aside from what you've just said there, but that it is set in this future where I believe uh, humans start maybe like adapting to their synthetic surroundings and we've got a little bit of body horror going on. And um, and it's very I mean, Cronenberg hasn't been in this territory for, you know, maybe the guts of 20 years. So it is nice to see him go back to trying to freak the bejesus out of out of us. Um, and that cast, Viggo Mortensen, Leia Sadu, Kristen Stewart. I mean, that just tells us that we're going to be in for something incredibly moody and mopey and very, very unsettling. Um, but uh, he's kind of kept an awful lot of the plot details on the wraps. And again, it's nice to see a film being marketed with these, you know, kind of disjointed, disturbing trailers that, you know, A, leave a mark and then B, don't tell you anything about what you're going to see. Don't give the whole film away because another horror that was uh, that was announced at CinemaCon and that we also got a trailer for was The Black Phone with Ethan Hawke, oh, which is the yes. latest Blumhouse uh, production. And there's, apparently there's been an awful lot of talk behind the scenes about, and you know, this is not the first time Ethan Hawke has done mainstream horror. You know, he did Sinister, he did the Purge films, and he was very good in those. And there's an awful lot of talk about how, you know, incredible uh, uh, his performance is in this film. But I watched the trailer and after two and a half minutes thought, I don't need to see the film. There is far too much the whole movie is in that trailer with something like crimes of the future which is a very different ballpark you're left wondering what's this about i need to see more that's how you market a horror it also has the best marketing tie-in for nfts that i've ever seen in my life david cronenberg is given an nft or selling an nft of his kidney stones 
which you know kind of goes to show how much he thinks of nfts and and uh, it's a nice little way of kind of tying into the film as well so that would be one for your your, your weird little piece of movie memorabilia of an nft <laughs> of david cronenberg's kidney stones to tie into crimes of the future Dear Lord. Um, other little horrors to it as well. Megan, this is uh, produced by James Wan, another Blumhouse production. This is to do with a, another creepy doll, kind of but more of a futuristic vibe in it. They also, um, Jamie Lee Curtis was on hand to talk about Halloween ends. Will it ever end? They're saying this is the third one. But just to um, move on to Sony, um, one of the big films that they were showcasing was uh, Spider-Man Across, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So first 15 minutes meant to have wowed everybody. And we've got um, obviously some new Spider-Man characters uh, coming into the equation like Spider-Man, is it 2099? Um, Oscar Isaac voices. But now I don't really want to talk about that one because even though so much focus has been on that and everyone was blown away. But Andy, it's the other big film they've got coming out that completely went under the radar, a new Ghostbusters film. Yeah, they pretty much announced that there's going to be a sequel to Afterlife and then promptly left the stage and said absolutely nothing more of it. I'm curious to see how much of that original cast are going to come back and how much they'll, they'll get of the you know the original Ghostbuster cast themselves to come back as well. It just seems like they made this huge hit and then went, well, there's money to be made here, but we've no idea what to do. So we'll just announce a sequel. No story, no follow up. Just, you know, we'll see what we can do here. You knew when that film was a huge success that they weren't going to you know, leave money on the table and go grand. We've, you know, we've you know, closed it off nicely here. I'm very interested to see what they do. I did. I love that other film. But to be honest, I would have been very happy with them just leaving it at that. And I, I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll get made. Um, I, I think it's something that they'll they'll look into and see if they can get it off the ground. They might even start thinking if it would make for a better TV show before someone in the room will remember that, you know, we already have Stranger Things. But I think that I, I think we're, we're forgetting that this film cost nearly 100 million to make and it made, I know, just 200 million at the box office. That's not good enough. That's not mm. good enough for, for, for a Ghostbusters film. It's not good enough for a major studio blockbuster. And also the big reason we all went to see that was for, you know, the final 15 minutes where, you know, we had three quarters of the old gang back together. Um, and I don't think any sort of Ghostbusters film involving Bill Murray is going to be announced properly at a time when we're all wondering what the hell is going on on the set of Bill Murray's other new film that he's making at the minute. I mean, that there is this, this story going around that this uh, Aziz Azari's uh, 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 directorial debut had to be shut down last week because of a complaint involving potentially inappropriate behavior by Bill Murray. So I'm not sure there's going to be any sort of, you know, Ghostbusters film announced or up and running because it would have to involve him. Nobody wants Ghostbusters without the old lads. Uh, I'm not sure you're going to get any proper announcements until we know what happened on that other picture. I think it's such a pity that all the Ghostbusters fans out there still haven't been given the Ghostbusters movie they wanted. I, I just, for me, I, you, you want to see Ernie Hudson, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray front and center not in cameo mode. Yeah. Like just give just give people what they want. I, I again I remember I harped on about it um, when I got around to seeing Afterlife. The 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 post credit sequence with Winston, Ernie Hudson's character, that for me was the Ghostbusters film I wanted to see. Not the the, the kids running around in the fields. I was like, what the bloody hell is that? Uh, anyway, I'll go off on a tangent. Venom three, do we care? No. 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 <laughs> Who wants Venom three? And uh, but the one film I am really intrigued to see is uh, Greta Gerwig and her partner, Noam Bambach. They've written the script for a Barbie movie and Greta Gerwig is going to direct it. It's starring Margot Robbie. 
uh, Ryan Gosling is going to play Ken. It's got half the cast of Sex Education from Netflix in it. And I, I think that this could be really good. I, I'd say it's going to be very much tongue-in-cheek, lampooning the world of Barbie. But I think with Bombach and Greta Gerwig, there's going to be something kind of snarky about it as well. Again, they seem like such an odd choice for it. Barbie, where does this sit with you, Chris? Um, nowhere. I mean, I mean even when the first uh, photograph was released as, of Margot Robbie as Barbie, I thought my first reaction was, it's just a photograph of Margot Robbie in a pink car. I, I don't I, I don't know what we're expected to feel here, what, what we're supposed to think. I mean, I will say, look, it's Greta Gerwig's first film since Little Women. She's a phenomenal talent and a brilliant storyteller. Obviously, this there obviously there is something good in here. The same with Noah Bambuk. And it is nice that they are working together again. They haven't worked together since maybe Francis Ha. I'm not sure if that's if that was the last one that they worked together on. Um, and that cast, Ryan Gosling is in there, uh, Michael Cera, uh, Will Farrell. The fact that Emma Mackey is in there leads me to believe that there will be something a about the fact that margot robbie and emma mackie are the head off of each other and b that barbie maybe realizes has a bit of a, a potentially a buzz light year moment i'm not sure is that what we're going with here is it, is it supposed to be some sort of i don't meta... know no, no. I, i'm waiting to hear like a really dark slow version of barbie girl in the trailer oh no you know that the piano thing yeah it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> well, I know now I haven't seen this myself, but my wife tells me from watching it with our children that there is a Barbie cartoon on Netflix that's meant to be quite funny because, again, it lampoons the world of Barbie. And she goes, you'd be quite surprised at how witty it is. And I was like, really? And she goes, so maybe there's there's hope for this Barbie movie that they're really going to have fun. So too, um, I remember a couple of years ago saying oh, they're making a movie about Lego. How could they do that? And then they went, oh, no, they've actually made a really fantastic movie about Lego. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, w- I definitely uh, wouldn't rule it out. So, Barbie, that's one of the other intriguing ones. We also just have to um, talk about one of the most bizarre things that happened at CinemaCon was Olivia Wilde, Andy. She was up on stage giving a presentation and then this fella just walks out onto the stage and hands her an envelope. Yeah, Olivia Wilde turns around, thinks it's some, you know, potential screenwriter handing her a script and she's kind of say, oh, thanks. And then she opens it and instead it's actually, she's been served custody documents from her former, um, I don't know if they were married, um, partner Jason Sadukas, who plays Ted Lasso and you know, he's the, the father of their two kids. And then she has to stand there, read this and then kind of go back to selling, you know, Don't Worry Darling, which has you know, Harry Styles and Florence Pugh in it while she's just been handed this you know bombshell news in her life so it was absolutely mad he has said that he had no idea it was going to happen during her presentation don't quite know if i believe that i think if you're you're going to do that that's exactly the moment you'd want to try and hurt somebody who's hurt you he gave that interview i think it was variety fair uh recently or vanity fair sorry where he pretty much said you know i didn't want the marriage to end i was absolutely devastated by it i, I miss my kids he was very kind of candid rather than you know the two of them getting together and having the you know the usual oh we split up you know it's best and we're great friends it was very much like no i didn't want this to happen so i i don't believe him when he says he doesn't know what was going on but like you said just absolutely bizarre time and then if you were going to upstage or at a big moment that's exactly the time and place you'd want to do it at I, did, I saw a lot, an awful lot this morning about, uh, you know, people saying that, you know, 
how dare Ted Lasso kind of ruin Olivia Wilde's moments like this. And, and I just thought, I don't think that has, uh, the serving of the papers wouldn't have anything to do with Jason Sudeikis, or at least the timing of it. So that would be more kind of, you know, the lawyers kind of stepping in and doing something that's really kind of, you know, kind of, not kind of, cra- definitely crappy behavior. Um, so I don't think maybe, I, I, w- I would, I would tend to disagree, Andy. This hasn't happened in ages. I I, <laughs> I, I, I would say Jason Sudeck is telling the truth when he says I had that had I you know I had nothing to do with that. I just think the timing of that and the fact that she is promoting a film with Harry Styles, who was you know mm. apparently the reason they broke up is she started having a relationship with him. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think you know if it quacks like a duck, it's more than likely a duck. Well, she handled it like a she. By all accounts, she handled it like a boss. Like uh, the presentation continued. Uh, she uh, spoke uh, quite humorously about Harry Styles. I don't think she actually referenced the 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 you know the real life relationship that they have, but said that you know there is a wonderful performance by Florence Pugh in here, which is going to just you know catapult her into superstardom. I mean, I think she's already there, Florence Pugh. I mean, um, but also we have this up and coming actor who doesn't have any other career to speak of. You know, so she was still very much you know confidently presenting her new film cracking jokes and i think she came away from the whole thing looking very well to be honest yeah well fair play to her handling that because like it just goes to show you uh, the professional that she is but another thing you'd have to say is where was the security is not worrying where you have an awful lot of these big a-listers up on stage and there's someone who's managed to slip their way through security and get out onto the stage well like, that's, that's, that's quite worrying I mean, if it's an official and if they're like, if, you know, we're just speculating here and it's a weird one to talk about when it's, you know, someone else's, you know, private lives that, uh, although, you know, something like this has gone very public. It's, 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 yeah, it's a peculiar one, but if it is, you know, an official that's there to serve papers, they can't be stopped. I don't think so, you know, and, and it could have been a case where they were trying to maybe serve her before and they couldn't, or they just couldn't get to it. It's a very weird one. Um, and it just because he had a, he had an accreditation for yeah. CinemaCon on. So how we managed to procure that as well, I'd say there'd be a few inquests into that. Yeah, interesting on that one. And gents, just to kind of move things on and other uh films of note, Disney now, Disney have their big, they've got their own version of CinemaCon, isn't it? Like is it D23 or something like yeah. that now? Uh yeah. it will be coming up. And but they Decided, no, we're going to just really showcase a lot of big things that are coming down the tracks at this CinemaCon. And one of the big films is the sequel to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Do we know, Andy, if there was any footage shown or any story details? Were that Was that made public? Yeah, there was supposedly a big battle scene that was shown with this. We see uh, Suri, who's apparently taken over the, the mantle of Black Panther. Obviously, Chadwick Boseman tragically passed away. So she looks like she's going to be taking up the mantle of that as well. But again, this film has been plagued with behind-the-scenes issues as well. There's rumours she was anti-vax and Disney weren't going to ensure her on the set. They were talking of trying to replace her, maybe get Michael B. Jordan back. So I'm curious to see what way this falls. Is. By all accounts, the footage was you know fairly generic quick flashes there wasn't any whole scenes in the place but this again could be one I'm very curious to see what way they play this because where they go from here if they are going to replace you who's going to come back do they try and get Michael B. Jordan who's off you know, directing Creed 3 and very much doing his own thing or will they just stop after this and I'm also very curious to see what way they handle Chadwick Boseman's real life death, how that character is going to be portrayed or how that character is going to be mentioned in this film I think that's kind of the the, the big what if for this one 
Yeah, there's so many films that Disney got coming out. Like, yeah, we've got the 15, the Indiana Jones. At the moment, it's just titled Indiana Jones. We've got The Little Mermaid, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder, the new Doctor Strange, which will be uh, um, released soon enough. Uh, Lightyear, which is Pixar's new offering. Again, that one is almost like a realistic version of if Buzz Lightyear wasn't a toy and his story existed as a, as it were again, that, that the whole thing has always still baffled me exactly where they're going with that. And then also Martin McDonough, his film, isn't it? The Banshees of Inish Aaron or something like that, or Inish Heron, something like that. Uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson are reunited. There's another film that's probably slipped under the radar, but that's part of the Disney slate, but it probably would have fallen under what would have been Fox searchlight. Yeah, Barry Cowan in that as well. Um, is he in that too? Good old Barry, busy man as ever. So is, have we missed anything, gents, or is that pretty much CinemaCon uh, uh, in a nutshell of all the big stuff that's been happening? There's two for me. Um, the, the Willy Wonka preview or prequel with Timothy Chalamet, which apparently had a fantastic show reel, which, you know, I'm curious because Paul King is behind Paddington, made the fantastic two Paddington movies. Interested to see what he does with that. And then the other one for me is Elvis, just because if there was ever a film that was made for Baz Luhrmann, this is it. Just pure spectacle. And just, I, I think this could be the dark horse for the Oscar one. This looks like a far better version of Bohemian Rhapsody that got the Oscars, despite being absolutely horrendous. So there'd be the two that kind of could be the under the radar ones, which is strange to say when they're potentially two huge blockbusters. But they're the two for me that stood out as, you know, I wasn't very interested, but you've kind of got my attention now. Yeah, I think Elvis could be great. Um, Chris, uh, you said there was a, a couple of weeks ago that you were still a little bit on the fence about Tom Hanks, though, as the colonel. Yeah, I'm kind of worried that Tom Hanks' performance might distract from, you know, well, it's not going to be a straightforward Elvis biopic if Baz Luhrmann's directing it. But just judging from the trailer, I thought, mm, not too sure about this cartoon, Tom Hanks as the colonel. Um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Austin Butler was actually talking at CinemaCon about, you know, how you know excited and honored and terrified he was to take on this role. And himself and Baz Luhrmann were talking about the fact that, it's, you know, they wouldn't class this as a biopic but more of, you know, a historical feature about, you know, culture at that time of America during Elvis's rise. And I'm thinking, okay, it sounds like a biopic, guys. <laughs> it sounds like a very, very much a Baz Luhrmann biopic. Um, so I don't really know what to think of it, uh, we'll, but we'll be able to make our minds up uh, 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 over the next, uh, I think it's like maybe in two months. But uh, one of the last films now that caught my attention are one of the... the um, the stranger, uh, one of the strangest announcements at CinemaCon was for me that Wicked is going to be split into Wicked, the the, the film adaptation based on the popular stage musical, is going to be ba- uh, split into two films. And John and Chu put out this, you know, really extravagant, uh, you know, overwritten letter where he spoke about the fact that they had spent so long. I mean, this film has been in production for you know, or, or at least in pre-production for years now. They spent so long trying to figure out what they could keep from the musical and what they should. Cut what songs should be trimmed down what characters should kind of you know get more screen time and they just thought it can't be done it's impossible so we've decided to split it into two films the first Mm -hmm. will arrive at the end of 2024 and the second will arrive the following christmas i am going to call bs on that there is no reason why you can't take a two and a half hour stage musical and turn it into a successful two and a half hour film look at what spielberg did with west side story tell me you can't do the same with a bloody Wizard of Oz musical. That, oh, that, that is just absolute BS and it is a money making racket. And, and it's, it, you know, it's gone from being something that I thought I would love to, I, because I'm a big fan of that musical. I thought it's, it, it is an awful lot of fun. 
and it's gone from something that I was quite looking forward to seeing to thinking you, you, you're grand, you can keep it. Oh God, good luck. Yeah, but when you see that it took him five paragraphs to write that we're making two films, you can yeah. kind of see why he's made this film <laughs> overblown. <like. laughs> Could I actually just go off on a complete tangent here? Speaking of people who have uh, written lengthy letters, this obviously had no real bearing to a degree. Uh, well, maybe it did with Sinercon, but uh, Justin Lin has dropped out of Fast X, yeah. the 10th Fast and Furious film. Again, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because all has not been well and it's been well documented behind the scenes with the likes of The Rock and uh, and Vin Diesel falling out. Um, with Justin Lin, like he was their go-to director. He, he directed, was it, uh, uh, the installments three, four, five and six, came back then for number nine and was all set then to finish off the remaining films in this series. I think they were making three more. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. No, they were a week into the production. Um, and he has put out this statement saying that, you know, he's decided to, you know, depart the the, the Fast franchise. The new film is going to be called Fast X, by the way, which is, I don't know. I, don't re- I really don't know what to do with that. But for I, I think you can, you know, you could you could talk all day about the the, the statement and, and who's going to replace them and the fact that, you know, there's been all this, you know, uh, talk of potentially not trouble behind the scenes, but, you know, uh, Vin Diesel just kind of, you know, ruling the roost a little too hard and, you know, all those kind of open Instagram invites to for Dwayne Johnson to come back. It's all it's all very strange. The thing that terrified me was that short video that was put up maybe the day before yesterday where Vin Diesel is standing beside Justin Lin and saying, you know, first week's done. How how are we doing, Justin? And and do you think this is going to be better than the than the last film? And how are you, what are your thoughts now after one week? Justin looks terrified. He looks upset, and he looks like a man who has just absolutely given up on Vin Diesel and on this franchise. I don't know if you've seen the clip. No, but it, I but it, it is so sad. He just looks like a broken man. So I would love, and I and I hate to be speculating here. But watch it and see what you see. See what you think for yourself. I think something very bad went down there. Oh, uh, you know what? We when the show is over, we're going to do that. Um, Andy, just finally, finally, just for you, um, because Tom is catching up with us. Anything of note that just before we cap things off? I just thought it was hilarious that Justin Lin dropped out saying creative differences when they've made the same film four times in a row. <laughs> Yeah, it just seems to be the Vin Diesel show. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he tries to direct it himself and because he just keeps adding people seemingly without any sort of consultation with anyone, like Brie Larson and Jason Momoa were cast. And I remember, um, I think it was a deleted tweet from Justin Lin where he's like, oh, have they? <laughs> like, just oh. didn't know that Brie Larson was in the cast. There and I go. also love the fact that Vin Diesel called her a prominent YouTuber when he was announcing her casting, which I thought was just, he just has this weird pettiness in him that I'm, I'm 100% all for. I love that. A YouTuber. Brilliant. That's going to be a, a very harmonious set altogether. Gentlemen, listen, thank you so much. Pleasure as always. Chris Wasser, Andy McCarroll. That's our lot for this week on We Love Movies. Thank you so much for your company. And if you've missed any of the show, don't forget you can always download it as a podcast as well. Uh, it's available on all the big podcast platforms. Thank you so much for me, Gordon Hayden. We'll chat to you next Sunday from 8.